we're trying really hard to educate clients and prospective clients to look at the 95-5 rule, the reality that most of your customers are probably not in market at this moment in time, and then the 60-40 rule around what percentage of your marketing budget should go into long-term marketing activities, what percentage should go into performance and short-term. Welcome back to the Smarter Marketer podcast. I'm here today with Kaylee Melham. Kaylee, welcome back. Thanks for having me again. Always fun doing ones with you. So Kaylee is the resident Smarter Marketer in-house marketer. So she essentially is the lady behind the podcast. She organizes it. She cajoles our guests. She puts together questions and directions and intros and deals with me missing things and turning up late and <laughs> changing my mind on stuff. Um, but I think our two pods that we've done together have, have I think, been the top listen to pods. Is that right? Yeah. I feel quite flattered. <laughs> yeah. When I'm the only uh, constant in all the pods, so therefore it means that it's because of you, not because of me, that where uh, those two pods have ranked so well. So we, um, we had an episode last year, which was kind of the top yeah. marketing questions for 2023. And I think that might actually have been the number one ranking pod, most listened to pod of the year. So we thought, let's do it again. Let's go around. Yeah for one more year. So um, I guess, how, how have you decided to approach this? Well, we recently ran a webinar on digital marketing in Australia in 2024. And we had some really good questions come in from a lot of the registrants to the webinar. And I thought, what better than to answer some of those questions on the pod, as well as just some general questions and themes and ideas that are, that are running around in the industry. So to kick it off, first question, I feel like this is maybe the easiest or could be the hardest. How has the marketing landscape evolved over the past year? And what do you think the trends are that people should consider in 2024? Mm. I think I always find the general ones really hard to answer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the, the, the webinar, I think it was for B&T. We had about 800 people register for the webinar. So we actually did get loads of questions and lots of commonality, which I think is good and yeah. um, which really, really helps. So look, I think in terms of, what marketing has looked like in the past year in Australia. It's been a year of change, I think. Like we, um, economy slowing down, I think in many parts has kind of had an impact on marketers where I think often when economies tighten, when budgets and P&Ls get tight in businesses, I think often marketing is one of the first things that gets questioned. So I feel that in lots and lots of industries and lots of businesses with the marketers that we speak to, I think they're, there's been a lot of pressure on budgets this year, a lot of pressure on proving and demonstrating return on investment is, is challenging. And I think it then often does force marketers' hands to try to be doing short-term marketing that drives demand yeah. and performance um, in, in the short instance rather than investing maybe in the most appropriate marketing for their business. But that's probably a slightly separate issue. And then I think more macro, lots hasn't changed, right? Like Google still drives 95% of search um, in the country, whether it's paid or organic. Most businesses get most of their traffic from from Google. I think we've had a lot of hyperbole around the death of Facebook. Like it's still definitely for all the clients that we run at Rocket and basically everyone I've spoken to, Facebook outperforms TikTok ads in terms of driving revenue and performance and leads. Not to say that the massive rise, continued rise of TikTok hasn't shaken things up. I think particularly from an organic viewpoint, we haven't got the updated TikTok numbers of users. I think it was eight mil in Australia earlier in the year. So it'd be yeah. fascinating next year what we see there and fascinating as to what the ad spend is in, in that platform. But we're seeing huge 
amount of time being spent in that platform, but definitely kind of seeing it as a place of getting cheap impressions. If you're running organic, potentially getting lots of uh, virality with your content. But yeah, mm-hmm. lots lots of has remained the same. You know, LinkedIn being a, co- a core social platform for B2B, Google driving search, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, depending on what sort of business and clients you're trying to hit. Um, so yeah, I think a lot has, has stayed the same. But I think in terms of the big trends for next year, AI will continue to help us as marketers to do our jobs better. Like it, it definitely yeah. hasn't, I mean, so much of what we do in the agency is the same now as what it was 12 months ago before we were using AI. So much of it is different. Yeah. Um, I don't see it as stealing marketers' jobs if those marketers are embracing ChatGPT and and, um, and BARD and other, other platforms. So I think we'll obviously see massive leaps forward in that space. It'll change how we do things. I think in terms of the actual marketing environment in the country as it relates to digital. I think we'll continue to see TikTok growing. I think we'll see the rise, continued rise of social search where users are, it hasn't heavily eroded Google's volumes that I've seen, but people turning to things like TikTok to actually search for for products and services where they once might've turned to Google. We're we're kind of starting to see that as a trend. I think we'll continue to see outdoor media continues to grow in terms of seeing it being bought digitally and programmatically. And then I think the, the economy, it's, you know, (laughs) I'm far from an an economist, but so we'll see how things go there. Right. And I think every year this sector's doing well, the sector's not doing well. You wouldn't, predicted to be kind of this boom 12 months for marketers with increased hugely increased budgets and less scrutiny on performance i think we're going to see um, pro- probably more of that but yeah that's kind of how i'd see things yeah and then off the back of that i think talking about trends is one thing but challenges is a kind of different area and i know that you spoke about this in the webinar and i found these three points also to be really super relevant and a lot of them challenging i feel what is said in the industry in terms of attribution and AI and what have you. So what would you say the three biggest challenges are yeah. marketers are facing? Yeah, that's it. Like we put a lot of thought into the content for that webinar because it was a you know reasonably sized audience and we kind of broke it down into three challenges, right? Which are the three that when prospective clients come to Rocket, they're often raising with us, kind of going, we're struggling with this or lots of pressure is being put on us in our, in our job because of that. The first one is measurement, right? We've kind of come, like digital started off as this whole challenger to that adage in marketing, which is, I know half my budget's wasted, I just don't know which half. And Google ads and paid social to some extent 10, 15 years ago, you could kind of demonstrate to a business, you know, spend X, get Y, keep pumping you know money into digital and, and we can prove return. It's just not like that anymore. And it's we've kind of got probably a few different things taking place there. I think one of that is just attribution and the reality that the path to purchase in most organizations, most businesses is complex. It's online, it's offline, it's multi-device, it's multi-stakeholder and marketers and probably less marketers and more business owners and other stakeholders think that all the data that they're relying upon in Google and other analytics platforms is completely 100% accurate and right. And it's just not attribution is nearly impossible for the vast majority of businesses. I think some e-commerce businesses in really transactional spaces, some service businesses in really transactional spaces, I think you can get a high degree of certainty around what mm-hmm. return your spend is bringing you. But most businesses, most marketers, most business owners I'm speaking to, if they're saying I'm going to make every decision based on data, I kind of <laughs> challenge that assertion pretty, pretty vocally and, and, and pretty yeah. strongly and so that's just the attribution piece is missing for basically all businesses and it will never be solved perfectly and i'm happy to argue that with anyone and then we look at privacy and the way that 
privacy changes, the fact that Google is starting to move to a cookie-less world, we're going to see from January onwards that 1% of Chrome users in Australia will move to cookie-less. We look at all the issues around iOS and, and tracking there where you know we can't tell if someone's opened up an email anymore from HubSpot or yeah. Campaign Monitor and MailChimp. Google doesn't pass information through like it once did. So measurement is challenging. It's, no, it's only going to get worse. That's the reality of it. And so I think it is more about us better understanding what data can do for us and what it can't. So I think, I think that's a big one. And I think it's about marketers educating themselves and more importantly, educating non-marketers as to the data you're looking at has lots of imperfections and that's okay. It's better than what we probably had 30 yeah. years ago, but don't rely on it solely. And I think the point that I like that you've brought up in recent episodes before is the idea of being yeah. data informed and not data driven, that's like it. having that balance of I'm using it to help inform the decisions that I'm making, but it's not everything. It's not the be all and end all. And I'm not going to completely change my budget or my tactics because it's not telling me exactly what I want it to. A hundred percent. Like if anyone in your business says we're going to make all of our decisions based on data, then you tell them that you're going to make terrible decisions. That's the reality yeah. of it. And I think most marketers are getting to that point. The second point probably segues nicely into it. And for me, that's this continued pressure on marketers to invest in short-term marketing over investing in marketing that is actually going to work for the business. And the more pressure that gets put on budgets, the more that dynamic exists in businesses. So we see it all the time. Marketers coming to us, hey, good news, we've got 300 grand to spend in the next three months on this huge campaign to drive leads. And you kind of speak to them and go, well, what's the, what's the buyer journey? How does it look? And it's a four-year buyer cycle and you know, 97% yeah. of that market isn't in market at any moment in time that procure those services. So we're trying really hard to educate clients and prospective clients to look at the 95-5 rule the reality that most of your customers are probably not in market at this moment in time. And then the 60-40 rule around what percentage of your marketing budget should go into long-term marketing activities, what percentage should go into performance and short-term activity. And trying to arm marketers with information to help them explain in a data-driven way to the wider business that it's not how marketing works and actually, like they say, the long and the short of it which is an awesome book by a study by Benane Fields, which we're kind of advocating that our clients take that to, to C-suite and sales teams that are, <laughs> that are saying everything should be in this bottom of the funnel stuff. So I think that pressure on short-term results, often in environments where they're just not going to come. So just how yeah. do you better educate and set your business up for long-term success? I'm going to say one of my favorite points is the only invest in short-term, you're only going to get the short-term results. Whereas if you invest in long-term, you can have the benefit of sustainability as well as that short-term uh, surge. And we see it, like it's not just marketing theory, right? We said in the agency every day, the clients of ours that, are, that have the mix right, that have the investment in long-term activities, they just generate cheaper leads, they close leads faster. It's, it's not BS. So I think it's a big one for me. And then I think the third one, We've talked about it a lot, right? And I think as marketers, we're probably a bit sick of it, but it is AI. If you sit there kind of doom scrolling on your LinkedIn, just I'm not keeping up, I'm not keeping up, I'm failing. It's not constructive, but you have to have a foot, I think, in each camp. One is, look, I've just got to focus on my job and what my targets are and what things I can do to best drive value for my business. But you have to be there looking at AI, adopting it. I think adopting it in a lot of the, the, the tools we're already using, whether it's HubSpot or Marketing Cloud or if you're on Google Suite or if you're on the Microsoft stack, just getting used to it. If you design teams, depending on what, what platform they're using for design, but just staying across the potential of AI, understanding mm -hmm. that it's only going to get better, but 
like unless you're speculating and investing and intending on building a startup business in the space, I think just focusing in on what you need to do rather than obsessing over how it's coming to take your job. Yeah. But it's I think where we're going to be in a year's time will be very different to where we are now, right, with um, the yeah. things that AI is doing for us as marketers. So definitely something to keep mm-hmm. a, I think, being alert, not alarmed. Nice one. Moving on, I think there is a lot of discussion around LinkedIn and Meta, and I feel like there are a lot of resources out there and we've had pods on them before but any advice on social media platforms kind of sitting outside those mainstream and i think the three that come to mind would be tiktok spotify pinterest yeah it does feel like we're moving into like a slightly more fragmented landscape as it relates to digital media it felt for so long that it was kind of google on the search side it was facebook and insta on the b2c social side and then it was LinkedIn on the on the B2B side. The way that programmatic's moving, the access to high quality inventory within programmatic and BVOD and digital outdoor, better quality audience data in programmatic than I think we've ever had before. And then you start looking at things like Spotify, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, but now TikTok. You, I think we have more decisions to make as marketers and Definitely within Rocket, we're running Pinterest ads if it's a if potentially in kind of fashion and houses and property yeah. and whatever it might be, e-commerce. On the B2B side, we're using products like Captera, starting to drive quite a significant amount of volume for clients where I think previously that wasn't necessarily the case. So it does feel that the mix, it's not, hasn't revolutionized in the past 12 months, but it feels like there is this gradual shake up of things and trying to move probably a little bit more towards who are my people where do they hang out and where do they hang out in the context with which i'm trying to reach them Um, i had rand fishkin on the pod earlier on in the year and i think it was a really interesting throwaway line and it kind of said every american drives on a highway it doesn't mean that highway advertising is the best place to promote your product and so i think it's just because everyone's on facebook or just because everyone's on tiktok doesn't necessarily mean they're the best places for your particular business. So I think it is also a little yeah. bit looking at context and what people are expecting to see um, in a particular in a particular channel. So the numbers, like LinkedIn's pretty stable in Australia in terms of number of users and activity. Insta's still growing slowly. Like fa- Facebook's actually not declining as much as people would like to think, and the time in platform is still mm-hmm. quite strong. So it really is. A, I think you've got you've got choice now as a marketer. There's different places to play, and I think it is about just looking at your strategy and making sure you're reaching people in the right place. Yeah. And sometimes it's not just about the platform itself, but definitely the type of content that you're creating. And I think that does kind of sit more into the creative side and we'll touch on that later, but it's not only that they're going to be sitting on the platform, but how are they interacting? What's the type of behavior? What kind of content do they like to see? Is it more informational? Is it more like company culture? Is it more product reviews? Obviously knowing your audience and knowing who your ideal buyer is, is vital, but I think that has a huge play into it too. 100%, couldn't agree more. Jumping into email, future of email marketing, how can businesses keep their email campaigns effective and especially compliant with regulations? Yeah, it's a great question. The e-consultancy survey that comes out every year out of the UK, every year, every every year email (laughs) marketing is the channel that marketers report gives the best return on investment. Every year it's underinvested in by marketers in Australia. It's kind of crazy. Firmly believe that word of mouth referrals are the best form of marketing. And in terms of digital and like email marketing generally will be that for your business. I mean, it's first of all starts with 
an audience and data, right? So it's about yeah, having how, the database. Yeah, that's it. So how do you acquire a database? You know, obviously we're trying to build a database of email addresses and contacts and prospects, customers that actually want and have opted in to receive the information. It's, I think that's a given these days. It's really unsexy, but it's so important. It's if we look at the way that all the privacy changes that are kind of, they're not going back in the box, right? And so us as marketers, we have less than we've had before in many ways. Privacy changes are going to make it harder. All the platforms try so hard to keep users in the platform. So whether it's TikTok mm. or LinkedIn or whether, even with Google and the idea of zero clicks, click searches where you do your search and you find the answer on the first page, you don't go to a publisher's website. AI is only going to probably drive that forward even more where people yeah. you know, will be locked into BART and ChatGBT and potentially voice search. So having an email database, having really high quality first party data is going to be more important in five years time than it is now. So yeah, you've got to have a process. You've got to get adoption from your, you know, you need the tech to capture. You need your, your marketing yeah. team, your sales yeah. team, your customer support teams to be bought in. You want to be able to segment based on reasonable range of variables, lapsed customer, existing customer, T1, bought these products, whatever's relevant for your business. Yeah. And then obviously with email, the cost to send and the platforms, all that stuff's just getting easier and easier. I think nothing's really changed in terms of, you know, should emails be glossy and shiny or should they be plain text? That's always a depends mm -hmm. question. Should I send them daily or monthly? It's always a depends question. Right message to the right person at the right time. But just the actual doing it is probably my, my biggest piece of advice there. And we do it ourselves, right? Like it's one of the yeah. leading channels for us as a business. We, we, we invest in high quality content. We try to send good quality information to, to our database and when the time's right, people reach out to us. And I think maybe a slight tangent, but tying back into what we were talking about before in terms of the long of it and the short of it and having that balance of performance and brand, I kind of just wanted to bring up how there's not a particular platform or a particular channel that is associated with short-term versus long-term marketing. And I think email can be a really great example mm. of that where you can send out an email and say 30% off sale if you're an e-com business and really drive that bottom of funnel yeah. short-term marketing. But you also do have the potential to constantly connect with your audience, keep them engaged, share yep. good content, and really just keep your brand top of mind. Yeah, it's a great it's a great point. And like when COVID hit, our clients that had strong SEO, strong email marketing databases were the ones that could better weather the storm. And it was the clients who just always had short-term paid media, yeah. really struggled, right? Is that when those things had to be cut? And it's a good point because often that long-term marketing versus short-term marketing gets conflated where it's this particular channel, search or email is short-term or it's long-term. Yeah. And in the webinar, we use the example of a YouTube ad, right? So we had the example mm -hmm. of Qantas doing Europe's on sale, book now for next summer, YouTube ad. And then also Qantas running a YouTube ad with the whole, I still call Australia home. So one very much yeah. long-term brand building, value in the in, in the in the off in the brand one of my favorite ads it's a great ad so yeah but i think that's right so in the email one's a really good example where it gives you that long-term marketing kind of uh, technique going but then if you need to you can dial it up and get some mm -hmm. short-term marketing happening we spoke about it a little bit before but i think creatives i don't know if there is as much emphasis on it because people are focusing on who are we targeting and do we have you know messaging but in the visual platforms, whether it's meta ads, LinkedIn ads, YouTube, whatever, creatives are super important. So do you have any tips for how businesses can maybe deliver that good creative or that good messaging and really transform what the current assets are that they have? Yeah, totally. It was a really good Nielsen study that came out last year. 
it was based on all digital media type campaigns, large and small, thousands of data points. And it was then looking at what had the biggest impact on the success or otherwise of, of, of that campaign. And creative came in as the number one most important lever. So I think it was like 54 or 56% of effectiveness came from the creative itself. Yeah. We see it in the agency. We will often work with clients where they'll bring creative in and it's just not built to perform. It's badly conceived, doesn't uh, take into account the people we're trying to move and why we're trying to move them. Yeah. We, we do have a really strong creative team and we will rework assets and you will keep targeting the same, budget the same, literally just switch up the creative and you'll have 2x, 3x, 4x kind of impact. And you can still get really good improvements by changing targeting and other things within a campaign, but I think it's the easiest lever to, to pull. And that doesn't mean that you should just be there willy-nilly changing your creative. If you've got a campaign yeah. that's working and you've got a message that you need to get in front of your market consistently to leave that long-term brand imprint, keep doing it. Do not change it. Don't get yeah. the shiny toy thing going. If it's not broken, don't fix it. 100%. But I, I dare say that most campaigns, most creative that we see yeah. is pretty average and not necessarily kind of creative built for platform. So, yeah, I think creative is huge. As we know, like we're moving more into a kind of movement video type world. Doesn't mean mm -hmm. that certain statics don't work at certain times. Being contextual, if you're outdoor, it's going to be very different to if you're YouTube, to if you're Facebook, TikTok. So being highly, yeah. highly contextual based on where, where that ad's going to be seen and by whom. But yeah, I think creative is often something that is an afterthought. It's often we've got yeah. this big media budget and this is where we're going to put all the spend. And it's like, let's get some ads together without mm -hmm. kind of going, hang on, this campaign will live or die on the creative. So. I think from an industry viewpoint, it's kind of interesting. Like because of the background of the business, we've always had a really strong creative competency in the agency. But you look at other performance agencies around the country and they've all either bought or merged with kind of creative agencies. And even at Rocket this year, we've you know hired really senior creative director. We've hired copywriters to bolster the team along with existing designers and other team members. Because to get those channels working, to get Spotify and TikTok and Facebook and... Yeah. Even Google, right? Like getting people to your website, you need to be moving them through in a way I think that was kind of easier previously. So yeah, I think creative mm -hmm. is, a, is a huge area of focus. Yeah. And it's not a one size fits all either. And I think we've definitely spoken about this before, but you don't take a YouTube ad and then just pop it onto Instagram and assume that the creative is going to perform the same way for both audiences. Like you really have to cater your creative to the different channels that you're focusing in. 100%. So how, and I feel like this is, big one tying back into the attribution and the branding that we were talking about before how can businesses effectively measure their roi especially in the multi-channel marketing environment where you don't often know where people are receiving yeah. your messages or engaging with you yeah totally look i mean we've all we've all moved to ga4 now right i think there's certain businesses that'll be running adobe or other or other product stacks but i presume that everyone listening is no longer on universal analytics. I mean, obviously we're running GA4. We're looking at probably data-driven attribution, which is Google's attempt at trying to use AI and to try to use its machine learning and its smarts to try to put together what a buyer journey looks like for the website. I think it's obviously a good place to start. Use your analytics platform as a place to be making decisions around how the different channels kind of compare. I think you're then going into platform and making certain decisions there. Obviously, your Facebook numbers aren't gonna marry up to what is being said in Google. I think you really need to be aware of the limitations of data. I think if you're coming into it thinking that what you see in Google is 
an accurate depiction of everything that happened on your website. You need to know that it's not. It's an estimate of what's happening. You need to know that when you look at direct traffic, that's not just direct traffic. That's people that have come via dark social, that a lot of the social platforms don't actually give attribution through to Google. So a lot of that direct traffic will have come from certain social platforms and so certain messaging platforms and then it depends a lot on the nature of what you're selling right like if you're an emergency plumber or you're selling a 25 dollars widget through e-com then you might be getting pretty close just relying on digital if you're selling seven figure erp software or you're a professional services provider and you know a lot of your stuff comes in into your fee earners if you're a law firm or whatever it might be start building up anecdotal data don't make decisions on how did you hear of us drop downs on your website have your sales team have your whoever's speaking to clients yeah. customer service how did you hear of us how did you first hear of us a lot of your activities in social then social media listening tools brand uplift studies if you're just relying on GA4 and kind of going this is what's happening you're going to be underweighting most of your long-term activity you're going to over you're going to be overweighting your paid search your paid social your seo and those channels Mm -hmm. are bread and butter channels for rockets i'm not saying they don't work but if you're relying on ga4 you're going to think that's what's driving most of your activity and you're going to be missing out on a lot of stuff that's happening offline or is happening online but can't be measured podcasts videos a whole bunch of things anything with months path to purchase and multi-stakeholder start with the viewpoint that you actually can't measure most stuff and then anything you yeah. can measure as a bonus don't think you can measure everything we've mentioned a couple or you've mentioned a couple earlier in the episode aside from plugging the podcast itself <laughs> do you have any other content books courses suggestions that that you can give that people can kind of look into a little bit further yeah what's what's good um like you've mentioned the long and the short of it yeah i think like in terms that's of the, a good one. yeah that's a good one i think that's one for me with You should read it yourself to actually understand that you're doing your business a disservice if you're not investing in long-term marketing activities that will bear no fruit tomorrow. Like that's that's a starting point. So read that. And then if you already know that and you already believe it, but your MD or your CEO or the head of sales who has the ear of the CEO doesn't believe that, buy a copy and put it on their desk and go, please read it. And don't do it when they've given you budget expecting leads. Give it to them in the cool light of day and say, let's have a chat about it and how we could recalibrate marketing as a result. So I think that's a good one. I think from a more like ongoing basis, I love all the Rand Fishkin stuff. So Spark Toro yeah. blog, and you can just sign up to his email, probably comes in once every two weeks or so, just a really generally really thoughtful piece. Mark Ritson's awesome. The Mark Ritson marketing mini MBA is awesome. A lot of his stuff's in Marketing Week and they do a, I think it's almost a daily EDM, maybe weekly, I'm not sure, but um, I get all their stuff. I love it. I think the like industry publications are good, B&T, Ad News, Marketing Mag, just good to kind of know a bit more what's what's happening um, in the space. For, in terms of courses, like as I said, the Mark Ritson one's great from an overall marketing viewpoint. Julian Cole, who was a guest on the pod, we've done, like he, people in our team have done his um, strategy finishing school. So if you're working in strategy, it's a really thoroughly recommended course. If you're in kind of digital marketing, the digital marketer course is quite good. The HubSpot training's good. I think Marketo, if you're mm-hmm. more enterprise, their training's quite good. That's a bit of a ramble, but yeah, I think that's like, they're the kind of sources that I like to lean into. This question gets asked all the time. I think it got asked quite a number of times leading up to our webinar and we seem to get lots of responses asking it. So with so much change happening in the industry, so many platforms, what are the fundamentals that people need to be focusing on mm. to get their mix right? 
Yeah, it's really hard. Like as a <laughs> as an agency owner in a space where we have a reasonable number of clients and lots of experts in lots of areas, and I've been in the space, and I'm not an in-house marketer where I've got a million other things to try to stay on top of. It's really hard, and the speed of change is. I, I don't know. I think it's like you view it one way or the other. It's terrifying and scary, or change is a constant and run with it and and see it yeah. as a positive. And I choose obviously to to view it that way. Love the quote. What's happening in the marketing world is generally less important than what's happening in your world. So I think, yeah. don't sit there doom scrolling, freaking out, worrying you're not keeping up. Like I think you you stand a greater chance of making mistakes and doing your business a disservice by jumping onto a shiny toy rather than actually just sticking to the quarter, the year, targets for the year, like this is what we're trying to achieve, whilst mm-hmm. also just keeping a you know an open mind. And I do, it's, this is totally self-serving, but I do feel that one of the big values an agency brings is that perspective where, yeah. you know, if you're a marketer, good marketing team doing good work, you're on one account, that's all you're seeing is that business. I think you reaching out to someone like Rocket and saying, hey, can you, are we on the right track here? Can you review our strategy? Can we potentially work together at a certain level on certain things? I think gives you that benefit. And I say to client, prospective clients all the time, if you can get something done to a high degree of competency in-house, you should be doing it in-house. And then you want to use your agency partners for things that um, they're expert at, or you just can't, you can't do in-house due to economies yeah. of scale or budget. So that would be my advice on that. Last question. Exciting question. How do you influence senior leaders or your C-suite to understand what's happening in marketing at the moment? So I feel like we've spoken about a lot of trends, a lot of challenges. How do you then best get that information across to someone who really might not be involved in the marketing world? Yeah, it's a great question. I hear a lot of marketers, oh, that person doesn't buy in or they don't believe in marketing or those you know, negative approach. If you're a senior marketer, it's your job to educate non-marketers in your business as to how marketing works. I I think it's a bit of a cop-out to kind of, oh, they don't believe in it, they don't understand it. Well, like educate them. And if you're not being taken seriously, then I think you have to, and if that person isn't going to change or a lunatic that won't won't read the long and the short of it and actually kind of go, yeah, I get it, then you might question whether you're in the right place of employment. Like that's because you're never going to get buy-in and you're always going to yeah. um, not be properly valued. So I think it's 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 the job of us as marketers to understand the role of marketing. It's our job to understand that we're, we're the market's voice in our businesses. It's our job to read the long and the short of it and to send that data throughout the business and explaining that it's not how marketing works. And I, I get it. It's hard. It's frustrating. But definitely don't just sit in your box presuming that people should know this stuff. So I think like first of all that, I think the second point to that is the time to do it isn't when you're trying to defend your monthly results or your quarterly results or you've sat there and taken the 100 grand for the next three months to drive these leads when you knew at the beginning it wasn't going to work. You need to yeah. do it in the cool light of day. So I think that education piece, sit down and book in a meeting in the quiet time of January to sit down to try to educate marketers, non-marketers as, as to how this stuff works. So they're kind of two ways. And then I think it's you know, try to remain informed yourself on what yeah. what things do mean and what they don't mean and what that metric means or, or whatever it might be. And I do find that often you can bring in external, so bringing in your agency partners to actually present to your board, to present to your CEO, like we do it all the time, right? Like we're, we're often coming in and we'll deliver the news. We'll, like I'll happily sit there and explain that, yeah, well, that's not really how SEO works or that's not how digital marketing works or it's not how marketing works or... You know, you're trying to achieve this objective, but 
it's just a, it's a three year buyer journey and you want those results next yeah. month not happening so i think um yeah so i think that'd be kind of the way that i'd be approaching it that's it that's all that's, the all, that's all the questions kaylee's got that's all of them <laughs> What else? Is there anything else you want to chat about for next year or are we, uh, are we done? Hopefully we've, we've given some value to listeners as to what to, maybe ways they can approach next year. Yeah, no, I think that that is really good. And I, I would just say that if any listener does have a question or a topic that they would really like us to dive into or even a guest, reach out. Like you can send an email to jamesl at rocketagency.com.au. Plug in your email, James, sorry. <laughs> but yeah, and we can do an episode on it because I feel like that's the important thing that content remains relevant and it's what... Um, yeah, I love it. And I think, yeah, any, any guests as well, any guests you think could be great or episodes that we had with a certain guest where you feel that guest could talk about something else. Yeah. I think that's um, always a good one. So yeah, cool. So um, thanks for listening. And Kaylee, thanks for the awesome job that you continue to do on the pod. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Kelly. Thanks for listening to the Smarter Marketer podcast. Stay up to date about new episodes on LinkedIn and Instagram by searching for Smarter Marketer podcast. You can purchase your own copy of Smarter Marketer via the Amazon website. And if you want a second opinion about your business's approach to digital marketing, send me an email, jamesl at rocketagency.com.au or visit the rocketagency.com.au website. Thanks for your time.